Welcome to the Pitch It To Me podcast, a show about the subjective past, present, and potential future of flesh and blood design. Today, we're going to be exploring the prettiest and edgiest talents, shadow and light respectively. On Red Pitch, Fuzzy will unravel demonic knowledge for you to consume. On Yellow Pitch, Joel will illuminate the way of virtue. And on Blue Pitch, Clark will, quote, go on some random diatribe about light and shadow and talent design or whatever, close quote. You can find us across all socials, such as TikTok and Instagram, at Pitch It To Me Podcast. Why'd you guys put those quotes there? (laughs) I don't know. You wrote it. Well, because you said it. (laughs) All right. In today's episode, we're going to tell you all about the two wolves that live inside of you and which one of those wolves you should feed. Shadow or light. Devil or the angel. (laughs) Maybe you got your first taste of one of these heroes when you were getting reps on the most dominant hero in the game. Maybe you started by trying to champion one of the worst heroes in the game. Either way, you should be excited because LSS has decided to revisit these heroes in Dusk Till Dawn. So we wanted to discuss these talents a little bit, a little bit detached from the heroes themselves. What does it mean to be light? What does it mean to be shadow? We also want to take this time to remind you guys, if you are an audio only listener, we do have a YouTube where you can see the cards that we are talking about. Um, We also have the custom card Google Drive. So if we talk about any custom cards... In this episode, previous episodes, future episodes, we have a link that just gives you access to the folder. You can see all the card designs in there. And also, by the time this episode comes out, we should have uploaded our first couple of TikToks. Woo-hoo. So we're we're becoming real content creators. Oh yeah, we're creating content, all right. Okay, so for Red Pitch today, I want to talk about the cool talent shadow. Let's talk about like what does it mean to be a shadow hero? If we look specifically at the like generic shadow cards that aren't tied to a certain class, we see a couple patterns so far. For instance, there are some that are able to play themselves from Banish. There are some that allow you to play other cards from Banish. Like the cards that if you want to like Banish your Command and Conquer and then play it out of Banish's zone, there's a card for that and it's a shadow card. There's also the pattern of specifically having effects that are stronger against other light heroes. Because the Demon Mastery is all about fighting against Solana and the power of soul. They just like hate that soul guy so much. <laughs> and when I say hate, I mean the TCG term to specifically have mechanics that counter another <laughs> card's mechanics. Yeah, because in the lore, shadow heroes don't really talk about hating soul very much. They talk more about like soul hating on them. Oh, yeah. Mm. That's like a key, <laughs> a key yeah. quality of any master plan. They is you're the victim. It. We're uh-huh. just continuing it. Yeah, the demon Astri is like, look, we were just trying to figure things out. It, it, you guys decided to <laughs> exile us and make us the bad guys. We can also look at how each hero wears their shadow talent in different ways. For example, they're all doing it a little bit differently, right? There's a common thread of blood debt. Blood debt means that if this card is banished, it's going to hurt you at the end of the turn if it's still there. Chain likes to create soul shackles that banish cards from the top of your deck each turn. And it's this slow build of like, okay, more and more cards are being banished. I have to play these cards or else they hurt me. But potentially all of them can be played if you have enough action points or if you banish the right things or if you get the right combos off. 
There's a little bit of making sure that you jump through a couple hoops to make it work, but the payoff is you get to play lots of cards. In Flesh and Blood, you only have a four card hand by default, but there are ways that you can tear that open. You can like arsenal a card, or you can be chained and banish half of your deck and then be <laughs> able to play all of those cards in the same turn and overwhelm your opponent. Yeah, why have four cards when you can have nine? Mm -hmm. Is the basic principle there. I sell my soul to a demon. <laughs> he collects his blood debt. I get to win lots of tournaments and hit living legend <laughs> at a pretty quick pace. Seems like a good deal to me. I don't know. Is that what blood debt does? Mm -hmm. I always just died to blood debt. Yeah, we die before we can figure that out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Speaking of which, Levia has a very different relationship with shadow and being a shadow champion and blood debt. For Levia, blood debt is strictly a penalty, but she has ways to work around it. Blood debt? Oh, just kidding. Uh, I don't actually take damage this turn because I'm giving you more blood debt cards, right? Pile of five cards that give me blood debt. Let's make it six, but I won't take damage this turn. Let's make it seven and I won't take damage this turn. And it gets to this bigger and bigger pile that's threatening to do more and more damage to you. But as long as you can feed the beast and keep your banished pile growing with those big attacks, you don't have to take any blood debt damage. It's a very different style, right, guys? It's a really cool design. Like, I, I love the sort of Damocles idea of, like, you get these extra powerful things, but it's sort of always building up this, like, hey, if you ever stumble, if you ever screw up, if you ever misplay, yeah, it's gonna punish you. Mm -hmm. Of course, that isn't exactly how the card printings have played out, mm -hmm. but it is definitely a wonderful idea. Levy has some really interesting cards she can play out of Banish, too. Some she shares with... What's his name? Chain, Chain, like Ghostly Visit and Mutated Mass. They don't fit as nicely in her kit as they should because really your turn starts with how can I banish a six power uh, card from my graveyard or whatever, and then I can do whatever I want. So it's like the question of action points, like how many cards do I have to work with, and then I can do all the cool stuff that Shadow does. But it, for the most part, it just seems like, yeah, that it's just another resource that you have to keep track of, which is... Very fun to play with, but again, very, very punishing. But it's a cool idea, right? Like this looming doom that's going to threaten to kill you, you know? Yeah. I want to come back to Levia, but first I want to give a little bit more context for what other heroes have been doing with like Blood Debt. And namely, Vincent is someone we just got introduced to with this newest set. And Vincent uses Blood Debt similarly to Chain. After all, they're both Shadow Runeblade. But for Vincent, it's more about having cards that have a little bit of a restriction and you needing to keep up momentum in order to be able to play the things from Blood Debt at all. Like you have these Rune Gate cards where you need to create Rune Chants in order to be able to release them from their Blood Debt cage, so to speak. Or at least <laughs> that's my take. It's very new, so you guys might have like a little bit of a different take on what that like metaphorical Blood Debt means to Vincent. I think for Vincent, it really is in her design of sacrificing a card from hand. Mm -hmm. She has to. It is it is non-negotiable to banish a card from your hand. Mm -hmm. And so you want that to be a blood deck card that you can play from Banish Zone. And that's what it's going to be most of the time. But it still feels like a sacrifice. Like, if you are put in a position by another player where you have to block a lot then you're really hoping that one last card is Funeral Moon, right? Where mm -hmm. you can banish it and then play it to, to create a rune chant. I think that's what Funeral Moon does. Yeah, it's a non-attack action that makes a rune chant. That's sort of like what you want your one card hand to be. Mm -hmm. But what if it isn't? You're, you can be screwed. Or what if you banish the card that you wanted to pitch? Yeah, if you just draw a handful of no blood debt cards, then you might be 
giving some offering to the demonastery that doesn't help your game plan at <laughs> all. Yeah, I, I've kind of been focusing on the rune gate keyword itself in the sense of like portals don't like half work. You need the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like it's all about you know, assemble like getting enough pieces to assemble this rune gate and then unleashing these powerful demons to like aid you. Like I don't know mm -hmm. anything about like the lore behind the Vincent because I don't care. But uh, that's what I imagined it would be, right? Is like assembling the pieces for this portal and uh, reaping the benefits from uh, conniving with demons. And it's nice because it's not quite what um, Viscerai does, mm -hmm. where his rune chance just reduce the cost, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So you could have under the amount of rune chance for Viscerai mm -hmm. to cast his things. Mm -hmm. um, but with Vincette, you have to have the exact or greater than. Mm -hmm. And for those higher costed cards, it is a real requirement. It really requires setup. So the through line here for Shadow, at least my take, is that there's this big power that allows you to set the pace of the game mechanically, but there are certain hoops or threats that are looming over you that you have to jump through or work through to make them work. You're not just playing against your opponent, you're also playing against your own deck. And the reward for that is potentially greater value numbers-wise, extra cards, extra damage, free things. Um, would you guys agree with that take? Yeah. I, is, that, is that what it feels like to play a shadow hero? Definitely, especially with Levia, because you have this additional lose clause if you uh, don't manage your resources appropriately. But shadow is definitely a talent about getting additional card advantage through either uh, doing dealing points to yourself or reducing how much threat density you have in your deck. It's just getting more card advantage without explicitly saying you draw more cards. Like there's mm -hmm. more hoops. At least that's, that's what they were trying to do with Chain. That's why he outlawed because there's just no downside to playing like all blood debt. You just play stuff for free. Especially when you are able to construct your deck in a way. Like I think Limited Chain is, you can see what Chain was trying to be in Limited mm -hmm. where it was like, oh, there's like, two cost cards, or you have to do this thing to give it go again. Mm -hmm. And it makes it hard to play your three, four blood deck cards mm -hmm. out of your banish zone. But the moment that you go into constructed and you can pick exactly how many blood deck cards you have and which blood deck cards there are, mm -hmm. you no longer need to deal with those more awkward banishes. You just get to throw everything. <laughs> no, there still is always the issue of like, oh, I want to side it, sideboard in Command and Conquers. Oh, I just banished all my command and conquers. <laughs> I don't I can't play mm -hmm. command and conquer anymore and I wanted it for this matchup. So there's a little bit of like chain not being able to have that nice adjustment mm -hmm. with Levia and Vincent. We haven't had a ton of time to play with Vincent yet, but I definitely feel as if the whole idea of shadow expanding out from chain, it's removing the flexibility of your cards for like an a half card of card advantage is almost the way mm -hmm. I would put it mm -hmm. because it's not quite a full card of card advantage for Vincent and for Levia. A lot of the times they have to sit in your banished zone and there's like a risk or a punishment for that mm -hmm. with blood debt. Usually it's fairly small, fairly incremental, you know, late game Levia is another thing entirely. <laughs> you, we also need to remember that like you can only play those cards you cannot pitch them. Mm -hmm. And so you still really need to tailor what you are doing on your blocking turn mm -hmm. so that you know what you can do on your attacking turn. Very much, yeah. It makes it a little bit more complicated than I would say most other heroes. Most other heroes, you can just kind of throw your whole hand at something and not 
feel too bad about it. I would say for shadow heroes specifically, that is not an option that you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in some cases, like with Levia, sometimes you just have to leak a ton of damage because you need the thing that turns off blood death. Exactly, yeah, because like you could potentially take, you know, like six six or more damage on, on the end of your turn if you like don't play something exactly right or if you don't hedge against, okay, if I, you know, play a go again card, like uh, Wild Red, for instance, and I need that to go to like threaten enough damage because like the turn that just, or the play that just turns off Blood Debt is not strong enough to close out the game or give myself enough wiggle room to, you know, actually come back in this game. Yeah, but of course you can end up in these broken circumstances. Chain is banishing everything off the top. With Vincent, maybe it's like throwing two big statted Runegate cards back to back, maybe even three, right? Playing a bunch of stuff out of the banished zone because you let it sit in there for a while. Mm -hmm. I would say for Leviah, it's her loop. When you can get your loop going, just play cards out of banish to put in the graveyard and then banish it and put it right back into the banish zone, then just back and forth. Yeah. And because you're always turning off blood debt, it's not even a negative. And you end up in that hyper power state. So shadow, I think giving that hyper power state is a big identity of shadow. Yeah. And I think it's why so many people are attracted to the shadow. The ceilings look so high, Mm -hmm. you know, but there's a, a very low floor. <laughs> very low. And you just straight up yeah. lose the game sometimes. It's not even like, yeah. oh, I have to take an off turn. It's like, oh, I get to go next. <laughs> get some <laughs> <Yeah>. lunch. <laughs> Ch- chain banishing important sideboard cards. Leviah just taking 10 damage to blood debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vincette, I don't think we've... Qu- Maybe Vincette's design allows for a little bit more flexibility in for defense. Sure. Yeah, the floor um, for Vincette seems kind of high. Like, it's not as as bad as Levia killing herself or... <laughs> I don't know. Chain's floor didn't really get too low either. I feel like you, it was pretty consistent. Through deck construction, yeah. yeah. I think they were able to keep it fairly consistent. But it was still, the risk was still always there. You could always RNG your way into into killing your sideboard tech. Yeah, or even banishing like your Art of War or something on a really pivotal turn that you need. Or you're, you're just, your turn just isn't as explosive because you banished mm-hmm. a powerful card. Or like, maybe you're getting fatigued out and you're just helping their yeah. game plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like it it was present. Yeah, big trade-offs, big distance. That's a very good, That was that's some good insight. I don't think I've really thought about that with Shadow Heroes. Mm-hmm. Really high ceilings, really low floors, big risks, big rewards. That's Shadow. It plays through the banish zone. No other like class or talent really uses the, the banish zone to that level, right? It's like feeding into the idea of an alternate dimension where things can enter through and there's a world beyond our own and Shadow's the most willing to accept and work with it. Yeah, especially because it goes against so much of uh, Flesh and Blood's fundamentals. Like every card matters and if mm-hmm. you just get to constantly recur the same cards or just never run out of gas while your opponent still has to play by the rules essentially, like it feels bad. So I, I can see why they are trying to now design more ways to make it harder to play out of Banish and like more, I guess, downsides. Well, Blood Debt itself is a good downside, but yeah, just making it harder to play out of Banish so you're not basically playing with 120 cards. So I also want to talk a little bit before we move on to um, any other talent about what we might be able to see in Shadow in the future. I think all of the talents at this point in time are a little bit half-baked, and that's okay because they're not meant to be full heroes, right? Mm -hmm. They're not meant to be a complete context, but I'd be curious how they develop and 
increase that design space in the future. I have a couple guesses, and then maybe we can move on to some more of my I wishes. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you can already sort of see them dipping into loss of life being a shadow thing, getting a reward for life being lost, or letting you pay life in order to do an effect. We're seeing that with the, the Vincent design especially now, but Blood Dead itself is something that is already dipping into that design space a little bit about you can keep this around in your banished zone, but I'm going to cost you something. <laughs> Give me a little bit of that blood. I still really want to see a Leviah card where you can, where it's like cost reduced by how much blood debt you took. Oh, mm. Lord. Or where it's powers for how much blood debt you took. Yeah. Like we, it's just, it's a design space I'd like to see. Maybe they're testing it and it's testing way too OP. It's rules clunky, very doable, and I yeah. want to see it happen. What what I've noticed is like you can like with the Leviathan's design space, they always add you can only play this if you banish a six, or it only gets X effect if you banish a six. I'm like, dude, like we have like You can't I, play this if you don't take three damage from blood debt. Yeah. Zero six go again. There we go. Like on your last turn? Yeah, on your last turn if you took three oh. or more damage from blood debt and you get a zero for six with go again. That you can only play it if you seems insane. The only I'm here for it though. Yeah, <laughs> but like what happens in the late game, right? You have like ten oh. blood debt. You have to take ten blood debt to play this card. Yeah, because you can't just take part of it. You just take yeah, all of it. Yeah, you, all you take all the blood debt. You don't get to. I mean, Leviathan consumed, but uh, well, that's for a future episode. <laughs> um, I'd also like to see cards that dip more into the banished zone in the way that. Like, you can play them that turn. Kind of like red impulse draw, right? Like in Magic mm. the Gathering, you had impulse draw in red where you don't draw a card. You just banish a card from the top of your deck and you can play it this turn as if you drew it, but just for that turn. Mm. Um, I think it'd be co cool if we saw some more stuff like that with Shadow. Like, that could be another tome, right? Tome of Dark Knowledge. You banish the top two cards of your deck and you may play them this turn. Yeah, there's Slithering Shadow P, which says if you banish it from hand, it's still it's playable from the banish zone. Mm -hmm. It's a one for six, which is very well statted. Um, it also has no block value. And that would probably feel really close to Chain, too, who's already banishing cards at the start of turn to hopefully play them. Yeah. And, and cards are already in your hand for only a single turn anyway in the game, so that wouldn't be a really big penalty. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good way to give shadow more options of like being aggressive or getting card advantage with again just not saying straight up draw a card because we've seen in, in magic especially how overpowered that can be and giving leviah more cards for free can get her into that space where she's like okay i have wildly outside outstated cards i have two to three actions with scapskin leathers and all of my stuff I can play out of banish. Like, why wouldn't I play this hero outside of not having on hits? Plus, I like the idea of it being a downside too. Like in Chains of Mephitis from Dusk Till Dawn, it like if your opponent draws a card during their action phase, they don't draw it. Instead, it banishes and they can play it that turn, which is a lot like drawing, except you can't pitch or block with it or arsenal it. So like them ending their turn with a snatch is no longer like a great play because they can't do anything with that card they get off of it, right? And that seems like a really cool downside that's very shadow. And I would totally be excited to see more design space played around with that effect. Yeah, it's it, kind of like you can you can have this power, but there's a cost that comes with it. You have to use it now. You mm -hmm. know? I'd also like to see some 
Okay, so so the demon astry, right? They hate mm-hmm. them light heroes, you know? And when I say hate the light them. people, I mean the TCG equivalent where you are specifically presenting mechanics that <laughs> <laughs> counterplay yours. But what if, like, they also hated the rest of the world, too? Like, once, the, like, Solana gets off their back and they brought the church to ruin, maybe <laughs> they'll come for Arya next and they'll specifically hate the Earth heroes or the Ice heroes or the Lightning oh. heroes. Like, maybe some developments in the story could see them being like, you know what? Screw you, Earth hero, Light hero, or Lightning hero, Ice hero, Draconic hero. Who knows? I think that might be fun to see in the future. Just, Just make them the haters. Mm-hmm. Shadow being the haters. I'd be okay with that. Uh, mostly because I hate all of Tales of Arya. But <laughs> so you're already getting into the shadow oh, spirit. Oh, yeah. I'm, in, I'm into it. I'm a hater for real. <laughs> and then we also get to see some really like cool demons. Like yeah. There's a specialization for each of the shadow heroes right now that lets them summon like a huge demon 6-6 ally. I think that's really cool. I would be excited for like a shadow, maybe shadow illusionist hero in the future Ooh. that like had a bunch of little allies. Kind of like Dromite with her dragons, but more like demons instead of dragons. <laughs> oh yeah, just little, just little guys, little imps. Just oh yeah, little impies. <laughs> yeah, just scrambling over everyone and gnawing on them. Uh huh. They could be really fun, or like big ass monster demons. <laughs> Both. Both is good. So that's what I'd be excited to see in the future. I like Shadow Heroes. I think they have some really cool designs. They are always intriguing to me. That's my Shadow section. Um, I like to hand things off to. Uh, some other talent that I hate. Brr. Joel, what do you got for I yellow mean, pitch? To be fair, I hate half of the light heroes, um, <laughs> so I don't blame you there. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the light heroes. Light in general really cares about a new mechanic called the soul, which is just a storage mechanic where you can use later on for incremental value, either through like go again or extra block value, things like that. Bolton, yay. Uh, I have in my notes to say yay. Your entire kit is based around charging your soul. And you can use your soul later on for your power turns, like if you want to go really wide or forcing awkward blocks with this hero ability, uh, which says if you block with an attack action on any of his attacks, that attack gets plus one. So it makes uh, breakpoints of three turn into four, presenting some interesting, you know, combat tricks, stuff like that. And most recently, he has gotten more tools to go wider in the combat chain and self-buffing instead of relying on your opponent to make like inefficient blocks. Like if you're looking at a Bolt of Courage red for three and it doesn't have like a buff effect on it or anything, you're like, okay, if I just don't block, they have to use those Snapdragon Scalers or some other card to give a go again and then they continue their turn. Whereas every other hero can just do that without having to, you know, be a, a three intellect the entire game. So yeah, zero through with no go again sound or sorry, it would because it would be two cards, right? Because you have to charge. Yeah. To even like give it the chance of gaining go again. Mm-hmm. So wow, light heroes suck. Two, two <laughs> cards for zero three, no go again, unless you block. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't sound very good. But then the moment that you add the ability to pump it, well, I imagine those little courage tokens that they just printed will probably help a lot, whole lot with that, huh? Oh, a lot, yeah. And that's what I mean by the self-buffing, like through um, the new arms piece and the other ways you can generate courage tokens either on your opponent's turn even or on your turn on every on-hit or uh, even just by charging. So it's like a really hard thing to interact with. So that has been really pushing how far a Bolton deck can go and like what damage numbers they can represent. And then the other light hero, Prism, she uses soul in a much different way. She focuses on utilizing like 
the heralds for being aggressive because those are really aggressively statted. They say like one for six, one for seven, and their on hits are like go to your, all of them say go to your soul, and then some of them give you spectral shields, some of them let you draw, some of them let you recur other heralds. So the downside being uh, Phantasm with the Illusionist, like if you block with the six power, then you can theoretically stop their assaults because uh, it's an illusion. Mm-hmm. And then they also have like auras paired with spectral shields for oppressive board presence and like damage prevention. So like the spectral shields all say, or it has ward one. So if you just take damage, you prevent one of that damage. If you have multiple, you can have like an entire attack blocked and you don't have to spend any cards from hand. They can also be used to attack. And the auras, they have some really crazy effects. Like, well, all of them have spectra. So if you attack it uh, as your target, then you lose your go again. You destroy the aura, yay, but you end up losing your turn as a, as a consequence. And then most recently, they've been given access to angels, which all have ward four. So it helps you defend your life total of, I think it's 32 now, which is, I think, the lowest any CC hero has seen so far. Other than Kano. Kano. Other, oh, yeah, other than Kano. Who cares about him? Um, and they all have <laughs> really... cares. Sorry, Fuzzy. <laughs> and they also have really powerful effects when they enter as figments and then when they attack on subsequent turns. So this new prism still uses the auras and the heralds from the previous iteration, but now has a new way to be annoying with these things that you just have to answer. Otherwise, it just gets a lot of value just staying on the board and being able to pitch to attack. So light heroes, you could say, kind of have have this through line of having the soul as that like resource to draw upon, Mm -hmm. but it means something different for each one, right? Exactly. Each hero, Bolton specifically, wants to spend it by giving uh, his below-rate cards go again. And Prism wants to use her soul to get incremental value with Spectral Shields or creating uh, more angels. So, like, for Bolton, a card in soul can represent an action point. And for Prism, a card in soul can represent, like, one life, one damage prevention. Yeah, which seems below-rate. But over the course of the game, like because you don't have to bank it at all at once. Like for instance, Bolton's most popular deck for a while being combo. You just let like four or five souls sit in there, and then you attack six or seven, six to eight times in one turn, and you refill your soul, and then you can cash that in for for another time. It's kind of similar to Shadow in the sense that you have an extension of your hand and more resources to mm-hmm. to work with. But like no penalty, you can just bank it, sit on it. Yeah, come back to it later, Mm -hmm. forget about it. But typically the paying it off is a lot lower, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of old Prism, it was two mana, remove one of those soul cards, and you get a spectral shield, a thing that gives you ward one. Mm -hmm. That really isn't a lot of power for two mana when you think about it like that. Mm -hmm. But then when you realize that that's happening, maybe even on the opponent's turn as well as on their turn, when it's when you're getting like free charges off of like soul shield or off of the herald hitting it it really starts to to ramp up so rather than a card and a half it's more like a card and a quarter yeah and if you pair that with luminaris too like all those can attack for zero as long as you have a a yellow pitch Mm -hmm. um and so that's why it was so oppressive because not only did you if you weren't a hero that had a plethora of six powers like you were just like often sending or blocking two cards to block this overstatted herald, and then there's another one that comes in for six or seven. It's like, how do you 
block with that and then still get rid of the ore that they're playing on your turn. It's just, so there's a lot of ways to take advantage of the soul in prison more so than Bolton. Bolton, like getting action points is, is great. But again, historically, you have to rely on your opponents, like making like objectively bad blocks to get anywhere. That's why he thrives really in the late game when these on hits are way more relevant or with these courage tokens, the on-demand go again is a lot easier to take advantage of. So Prism obviously has seen way more success than Bolton. So some stuff that I wanted to see as potential design space in the future, the first being graveyard hate uh, targeted at opponents. For instance, if Levia or uh, Vincent really care about banishing from the graveyard or banishing from the hand, I mean, they already have the turning ba uh, banish cards face down, but what if you just like start doing that from the graveyard? And so like these mm -hmm. other recursion decks like Earth or whatever, start taking hits because light is, you know, like this force of justice. I don't know. And just depleting resources that way. That'd be so cool. Like in the future, if there's like a necromancer that like comes from the graveyard and the light heroes are like, no, 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 shutting that down. No necromancy here. Banish your graveyard. Yeah. Any, any like evil archetype can be targeted by light in that way. If, as long as they, you know, interact with the graveyard. And some other decks, like, for instance, Katsu has a lot more recursion pieces now than he did before. So this would be a, a way for Light to interact with heroes outside of just, you know, shadow heroes. Mm -hmm. And then the last and probably the most broken, which I really hope they do for Bolton at least, is being able to play cards out of your soul. We're already seeing, you know, getting benefits from charging things to your soul, like with the new Bannerettes giving you, like, Courage tokens, quicken tokens, um, mm -hmm. extra life, things like that. So Prism letting her get the figments. Yeah, exactly. Like anytime something goes to soul, you get a free card. So if there is something for Bolton, because like Prism doesn't need any help. Let's be real. If there's something to give Bolton a way to play the, these, you know, these cards like via the Vanguard or Bolt of Courage or Take Flight. Some turns you have to, you have to charge them, right? Mm -hmm. To make your optimal play. And so... When, but then you're taking your power cards out of your deck permanently. Exactly. And so being able to still get those back somehow is important for Bolton, definitely. Right. And we're still talking about really underrate cards until mm -hmm. we buff it somehow. So, I mean, if we're just playing like one card out of every few turns, like if it's like, if you have to build a certain amount of soul, you banish X amount of cards to play one. I mean, even that is still a lot of value for Bolton for having such a huge penalty to like get these cards into soul in the first place. And you know what, Joel? I think we'll see this someday. Like the ability to play cards out of your soul. Oh, definitely. And like, here's why, okay? Like, <laughs> so they could have had soul be a die, right? Like just like mm -hmm. a counter on your hero. Mm -hmm. Like in order to charge, banish this and put a counter on your soul counter or whatever, right? But instead, mm. they chose to use the cards as the marker for that, even though there's not really a big reason to right now. And that's why people nowadays even, like, just have a die, right? Like a pile of cards with a die on top. Yeah. And, like, the die is how you keep track of soul. These cards are just, like, not quite banished for some reason, even though it doesn't really matter if they're banished or not, right? True. That's why I think in the future, they're going to play with it. I think they're future-proofing their design to have a lot more, like, it matters what is in soul. And that could even be something different, right? Maybe you have mm -hmm. a hero in the future that is like, if you have three copies of this card in your soul, then it gets a big bonus or something, right? Like if you're able to charge three of this or- And also matters that you're able to leave it in soul while also still spending resources out of your soul. Mm -hmm. 
Interesting. I like both of those ideas. It makes yeah. me really hyped to see like what other light heroes they come out with mm -hmm. uh, and how they interact with, you know, this soul mechanic. Because you're right, they could just, you know, banish it face down or use a die or whatever. But the fact that they're using the face up cards makes me hopeful that we can, you know, play via the Vanguard out of banish for <laughs> for for these. Because uh, uh, like if if Ranger gets six copies of whatever card or Azuri gets six copies of whatever card, it's Kim Bolton. It's not that hard, right? <laughs> we get push cards. I mean, I definitely already see a design for a card. It would be a four cost aura, which we've already seen in the old prism card mm -hmm. pool. Mm -hmm. And technically now the new prism card pool, but it's definitely less pushed for, for what that hero is trying to do. Yeah. Just a four cost aura that says, you can now play cards out of your soul for one extra resource. Oh, pay a resource. One card in soul is now playable. Yeah. I think there is space with game life. Okay. They mm. just, they just printed a card that is one mana gain three. But if you charged or sorry, if a soul, if a card entered your soul this turn, then it gets to be played as an instant. Light is very much you know, the good, you know, good versus <laughs> evil is definitely the light versus shadow thing. Yeah, they try to throw in a little bit of that whole is soul a big corrupt religion that's trying to hide the truth. And is the demon Astery actually this Ooh. truth seeking organization? So there's a little bit of that tied in there to not make it so overtly good versus evil. But life gain is still very much associated with the light. Mm -hmm. And we've just talked about how life loss is very important for shadow yeah so maybe light ends up with a lot more game life support in the future maybe we could see that when light dips into other classes well i definitely like the banneret that lets you gain life whenever you hit next so i'm wondering if there's an aura that and what i also really like about uh and i'll speak more on it later um is auras that get like put to the battlefield if you charge them Mm -hmm. And like, you know, so if if there's more auras that you have to interact with as my opponent as Bolton, but I can use them to gain life or get action points or gain extra power. That's an interesting, an interesting design space because Bolton is not co convening with demons, but he is praying to angels. So if he gets like different mm -hmm. blessings, you know, that that could be an interesting design space by getting, you know, banishing cards from soul to get extra re resources through the auras that you put on the battlefield. I feel like that's an interesting question, Clark, that you brought up about what class would pair with light really well in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think light is very broad. Like basically like who can stock up a resource to be able to spend over time at the potential cost of card advantage in the short term, except not even because like Prism's cards are just on hit effects, right? I think light wizard could be fascinating. That would be We've cool. already seen some instant like instant speed be important in light. Mm, yeah. Uh both of Prism's abilities are are light based. I like or, that or idea. Instant speed. If for no other reason other than like Icelander is blue focused, so we could have like a yellow focused wizard, you know? That would yeah, yeah wizard is so blue defined and seeing like a yellow defined wizard would be really interesting. And well, or even like ninja, because so far with ninja we've seen blue and red focus, so that yellow one would and there's mm -hmm. some yellow zero costs that would work really well or that are already exist in Bolton. So that same design space would work well with like Kadachi's and, the, and then a zero cost with go again. And yeah, somehow we didn't talk about that at all. And that's that like light heroes just love the color yellow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
like like work it in as much as they can. Like they reward you for playing yellow cards. They reward you for charging yellow cards. They reward you for pitching yellow cards. Everything costs two or one or zero, right? Yeah. Very few things cost three or four. Yeah, or they cost four because they want you to pitch two they're, yellows. They're pretending that you're going to pitch two yellows <laughs> to play their four-cost cards. Yeah. But we all know that's that's a blue and a finals tunic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Prism was definitely meant to be the yellow hero. And then I drafted a lot of yellow cards in a Monarch draft. And then it was like, where are all your blues? You need blues <laughs> to attack with your spectral shields. And I'm like... I didn't consider. <laughs> I thought lights are all about yellows. What is this? And like, I respect it, you know? Like, yellow is the bad color. That's why yeah. no other deck, like, tr they just try to avoid them. Yeah. Because if you want something that's good when you play it, just do red. If you want something that's good when you pitch it, do blue. If you want good blocking cards, well, lots of things block for three, and yellow doesn't interact with that at all, right? Like, you mm. might as well run a red or a blue. So the fact that they've had a specific space in the game where they're rewarding yellows, it kind of feels like it rounds out the game, right? Like, okay, you do have a reason to play yellow if you play these heroes, just to give you a little bit of an extra, like, don't feel bad for playing them. <laughs> <laughs> well, not even that. I really like how all their specializations are yellow. It mm -hmm. really emphasizes that element. I really like how it interacts with um, pitch values and cost values in an interesting way, and it makes mm -hmm. you th rethink what do things need to cost in my deck mm -hmm. and where should my costs be in my deck? Yeah, I think it's, I think it is nice. It is saying, Hey, we don't just print these yellows for limited. We do print yeah. them for constructed. Mm -hmm. And I, I noticed too, like, cause you just mentioned how you draft yellows for prism, but you really need blues. And I think back to Bolton and prism starting weapons, like the hatchets of body and mind and the, uh, Iris, mm -hmm. they both require blues. So like, in the future, I imagine there being more design space around their signature, they're not signature weapons, but starter weapons. Like I want to play with, you know, hatchet Bolton, but I, if I'm pitching like two yellows for, you know, uh, one attack for each hatchet and then a card to give go again or something like that, like that seems really costly. So like, what if I get more benefits from using my blues or with prism, you know, I have these, uh, larger, attacks with blue or whatever, whatever the case may be. I just noticed that they kind of step away from the inherent blue design in their, their, their starting weapons and into their constructed forms. Yeah. If they do another class with light, I think it would be one that dips in, can dip into that like yellow space pretty comfortably. Mm. So it's probably not going to be a light guardian. Can you imagine like a guardian <laughs> that wants to run no. a lot of yellows, but maybe ranger? Like the ranger seems to comfortably have like these yellow line decks. You pitch one resource to load your light, your arrow of light. And you spend your last resource to shoot it. You know, <laughs> we did just get a new ranger, but maybe that means it'll be a while until we see a well, ranger. Probably right. Yeah, just yeah. like it's gonna be a while until we see light and shadow revisited. So yeah, rip. Who knows? <laughs> maybe maybe they'll come around at the same time. Maybe that light ranger Whoa. is a is a real a real shot in the light <laughs> all right clark you get tiny claps <laughs> all right enough about them light heroes clark what do you got for us for blue pitch so for blue pitch we wanted to take some time sort of talking about light and shadow together in both red pitch and yellow pitch we talked about how shadow and light are all about they have this like design element of them hating on each other 
mm-hmm. in terms of the card game. Right. By hate, you mean specifically print cards that mechanically counter the other. Yes. And like only the other. Mm-hmm. And very, very specifically. I decided to call this dichotomous design. Mm-hmm. It is these two forces that are directly contradicting each other. They are dichotomous. So the main way that we've seen this is in the new Dust to Dawn set. There is banishing cards from soul when you attack a light hero, or if they are a light hero, if they have cards in soul, you get to banish it out of soul, and then they don't get to use that resource. Whereas for light against shadow, they get to turn cards in the banish zone upside down. Now, in both instances, there's like kind of little ways of playing around it. Shadow doesn't always mind you turning things upside down. Wait, you mean you're taking away the blood debt text? text, which means I don't take damage from blood debt? Why, thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a strict downside. It can be nice. Or a light hero, especially Prism, where she can do things at instant speed. Oh, you want to get rid of my last card in soul? Well, let me just specifically do this thing to take it out there and get my resource now, and then you don't get that ability. So there's, there are some ways of playing around it, which is good. I think it would be bad if there was no way of playing around it or if there was no minor upside. But I think that that is an important element of how the hate's been printed. There's also text that matters if it's against a light or shadow hero, respectively. The biggest one, and I only know this because I'm such a Levia diehard. <laughs> so we got Hungering Demigon, which can be played from the banished zone, but only if it's against a light hero. Yeah, if an opposing hero has one or more cards in their soul, you may play this from your banish zone, and then when it hits a hero, banish a card from their soul. Oh. Super good against light heroes. Yeah. We also got Soul Cleaver, which has go again if they have a card in soul. Yeah. So these are all things that like, oh, wait. Or Soul Butcher. If we're if we're against a light hero, we get these really nice effects. And I'm pretty sure light has the same thing i'm not super up to date on dust till dawn actually i don't think they have a whole lot they have things that say like oh this blocks more if you yeah play a shadow or black block more or it's like free to cast against yeah. if it's targeting a shadow card mm-hmm. so there there are things that care about specifically when light and shadow go up against each other not just in terms of the mechanic but also just in terms of what is printed on the card when sure. it says light or soul Shadow, Banish Zone, they are specifically fighting against each other. Because it's the War of the Monarch. It's the War of the Monarch. This really differs from other talent and class designs. We don't really see that type of direct hate be printed ever, especially to this large degree that we Mm -hmm. see. Yeah, because in Arya, all the three elements are kind of living together in harmony. And in (laughs) Volcor, it's... Everyone's draconic. So they definitely hate each other, but they're all the same talent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't quite have that dichotomous element that like set against each other. Not in flavor and not mechanically either. Mm -hmm. One thing I kind of did want to mention earlier is that the new Prism actually has a super bad matchup into the new Shadow Runeblade Vincent. Because with Vincent, if you play a non-attack action, you can guarantee the next arcane damage which can pop oh. the angels. So that ward four just becomes ward one. Yeah. No, not even that. It, if they have multiple angels, they'll all pop. Really? Yeah, because each one of them tries to pop, the tries to prevent mm. the damage, and none of them can. 
Yeah, so it's a it's a horrible matchup for the new Prism specifically. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really indicative of kind of what's happening in War of the Monarch. The general conversation that I've seen is the first set was the status quo. Light is on top. Shadow's kind of this underdog sort of rebellion kind of force as they're fighting against each other. The second movie, bad guys start winning. <laughs> that's like a very interesting thing that they're kind of doing a little bit of storytelling with. I don't know how intentional it was, but I think it's cool. Yeah, I I think it is intentional. Like the way that the light cards that target shadow cards specifically, they don't seem as powerful as the shadow cards that target light here specifically. For instance, being able to cast a underrate card for free if it targets a shadow card or prevent more damage from a shadow card. Whereas the cards that Levy has gotten with the ones that have like guaranteed go again, guaranteed buff, or guaranteed hit from soul. All of these seem like way more powerful than the first iteration of Monarch. Yeah. And like you said previously with Vincent, being able to just auto-kill all the angels seems, I don't know, that seems like very canonically motivated. Yeah. And, and just, you know, uh, as a way of hedging against Prism being on the top of the meta again. Mm-hmm. In the old him episode, I complained about how storytelling in fab isn't really up to snuff Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. depending on how intentional this is and how much they push it in both lore and cards moving forward then i'm going to say this is a definite win on the storytelling aspect of flesh and blood i almost feel the opposite actually because this is our second set that solely focuses on the demonastery and the church of solana church of soul mm-hmm. and i mean i don't really know anything that's going on and i've been like looking at the cards all the time you know like is the demonastery winning <laughs> what is the battle where is it taking place like who's actually fighting what does bolton do is he a general is he just like a knight there's a throne at all and prisms on it <laughs> Yeah, they can still do more. This is better. I'm going to celebrate the small wins. <laughs> because it's got to be the positive reinforcement. If you give them positive uh-huh. reinforcement, yeah, true. they'll keep doing it. <laughs> this is very good, LSS. Good job. Go do more. <laughs> I like the idea. Yeah. yeah. I also think that this dichotomous design, I kind of want to open it up for conversation here of do we like it? Do we like it when two classes or two talents are specifically set against each other, have mechanics set to fight each other and like nothing else? Do we think that's good? I do not. Uh, And this is kind of a complex problem because Levia having game into specifically light, I can't really ask for a whole lot against other heroes, specifically because Brute itself is supposed to not have any on hits. The identity of the class itself is RNG, rolling for action points, randomly discarding, having high rate attacks, but no on hits. That's like Mm -hmm. the main thing. So if I have games specifically into other heroes with these other benefits, it's like having these wildly set attacks and random chance to get more than one action point, then I think that's a problem game design wise. And also... If I really like the flavor of a hero and I only get to experience that flavor against one other mm-hmm. hero and that hero isn't in the meta at all, mm-hmm. then that's a feels bad too because then I have these extra effects that should have just applied to the field and not so much just this one matchup that I'll have in like limited, for instance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the dichotomous design that you're talking about, I actually kind of like it in limited, at least in that context. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
to have a limited environment where the cards that you're drafting are specifically to bolster your hero while you are directly coming up against these other heroes in the draft, I think that can be a really interesting design choice. I'm drafting Chain. Do I take Spew Shadow because I just want to be able to play cards out of my Banish because I don't have very many Blood Deck cards? Do I play Spew Shadow because I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of Prisms and Boltons around in the draft, especially if I'm taking the Chain cards? Do I pass on Spew Shadow because I don't think that the upside is worth it given what I'm trying to do in my deck? Do I pass because I don't expect to see a lot of light heroes to go up against, right? I think it gives the player more agency in the draft, something extra to think about when they're putting their deck together. It's also a reminder in this draft, like, hey, you are fighting people, have a plan for your opponents. Yeah, the the sideboard tech as it was, or mm-hmm. the like, oh, this card is more powerful because I have it in this specific matchup. Mm-hmm. I think the strong theming of this sort of dichotomous design is incredibly good. I think it felt great to play in these Monarch drafts. I would also say, Joel, not quite to counter, but to show the other side of the coin on your point. Mm -hmm. Let's say Prism is really strong in the meta. Sure. Now, I'm playing Leviah, and Leviah has a really good card into Prism. Now, Leviah is a little bit better in the meta. For sure. Because Prism is good in the meta. So I think it's great as this like anti-meta sniping tech mm-hmm. that can allow people with worse heroes to have better matchups into what's really strong right now. Yeah, I think sideboard cards that are siloed to specific heroes can be really cool. Like you can always print them at generic, but to have one hero allow them to have a good matchup against another specific hero, I think that just kind of makes things a little spicier. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's like what I want to see everyone based on. I don't want to see it all the time even, but it can be really cool when one hero is given one tool against another couple heroes. Yeah, I I agree with you there. Like you can't have like a silver bullet for every deck, but I do see the value of like, oh, if there's a prism, cool. Now I can play uh, Vincent or Leviah because I have these insane cards that really play into my game plan, but really flourish against her. So maybe I have a way to take this like, historically D tier hero and like win an event or place really high because I'm expecting this certain hero to be at the top. And that can always be reversed, right? Let's say that the Vincent, Vincent ends up becoming this incredible meta dominant hero. And the strategy is to like keep multiple rune gate cards in your banished zone Mm -hmm. until you can release three of them in one turn with this incredible pop off. Uh, But now all of a sudden these light cards, these generic light cards that turn cards and banish upside down, are very powerful mm-hmm. because they take away that ability. So I I think it's interesting. I think it is cool. Maybe not good, maybe not strong, but I think like you got to have some of that in the card game. And yeah. you got to at least push for it, let it have its place. It it can feel bad, but I think you got to be willing to to keep giving it a shot. And I think this is really the set where we're going to see whether it sinks or floats. Yeah, I would agree. I'm I'm okay with letting it kind of just sit in the the flavor town until it becomes you know meta relevant. Um, I do like draft a little bit more because I never drafted Monarch until now, and I never felt in other drafts that there was a way to interact with your other you know drafters in a significant way other than just you know beating them. But having this flavor of like, okay, oh, sweet, I'm playing against Prism. These Spew Shadows are going to give me extra value because mm-hmm. I already wanted them because I like don't have many uh, Blood Deck cards. 
but mm-hmm. now they just have this extra two power. But I think the dichotomous design, while it's very cool and interesting, there was one major place where I think LSS did not do a great job. So I'm calling this asymmetrical execution, insymmetrical design. When you have dichotomous game design, I think it also needs to be symmetrical. I think it needs to be fairly equal. And mm. so far, what we've been talking about is inequality, right? Right. There is an equality in the light cards hating on shadow cards and shadow cards hating on light. Like they are equal? They are equal. Up until we hit specializations. Mm-hmm. The specializations for light heroes help the light heroes do their game plan better. And the specializations for shadow heroes don't. <laughs> and that is a major problem. That the specialization card, the card that's supposed to make me feel like, oh, this is Leviah incarnate. This is Vincent incarnate. Isn't. That is bad design. I think... The idea was for the specialization to give a powerful effect that then has a little extra on top. Right. And so the idea is like, okay, well, for the Shadow Heroes, you get to summon this 6-6 Demon. 6-6 Demon allies really strong. Not everybody runs six powered attacks, which means they may need to put two cards towards killing it. Mm -hmm. That's very good. It doesn't have Phantasm, so it doesn't pop, unlike many other allies. Right there, they have to specifically put an attack towards it to destroy it. Right, but that's all it is. It is a six-six demon that you can attack with for free, which means you need to give it give another card go again to even attack with it. Is that screaming shadow? Is this helping me do more with my banish zone? Is this helping me play more cards in my turn? No, it is very cool because of the six-six-six synergy. That is very shadow, very demonic, very satanist, very mm-hmm. cool. Love it. <laughs> But I just don't really feel shadow in the card, in the design of the card. I will say that there is one exception. There is a prism specialization that is a herald that has, I believe, dominate. It's herald of judgment. If it hits, you get to put it into your soul like every other herald, but then the defending hero can't play cards from their banish zone. So it's a it's a normal herald with this cool extra effect if you're playing against a shadow hero but also maybe it has a little bit of extra synergy there are multiple heroes who try to play things from banished zone um but with the shadow heroes we don't really see that chain actually did have a specialization that was very good it's just it's not symmetrical both of bolton's specializations don't have that issue. They help Bolton do Bolton's game plan better. Mm -hmm. And we just don't really get that for the Shadow Specializations. I really wanted to see them fix that in Dust to Dawn, and they didn't. Maybe they did a little bit with Leviah, Mm -hmm. with the the Demi-Hero card, but I was underwhelmed with them trying to remedy that specific issue. It's almost like they don't consider it an an issue, you know? Like, they're Mm -hmm. okay with the Shadow Specs having... Just this really cool ally that also happens to have an anti-light effect. Because that is kind of what they're about. Maybe they're just trying to sell the story there. Like, that's what it means to be Vincent right now. I will say, like, Leviathan is probably the most relevant of the allies. Because you have six cards in Blood Debt. You probably need to keep turning it off. So being able to banish a shadow card from your hand, theoretically to six. So you can still keep fueling your game plan. You're left wanting more. It doesn't have go again either, unless 
Ursa, is Ursa the one that gets go again if you attack? Ursa like, gets go again if you attack a light hero. Right. So we have to roll a second action point or play something prior to get the benefit of uh, Blossom Fit. Usually out. ending the chain. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, feels great swinging for six for free, but I have to do so much as Leviah, including not die every turn. So it's kind of a lot to ask of the Leviah player yeah. to also. And know. it is it is powerful. You talk to any Leviah player, anyone who like plays Blood Debt Leviah semi competitively, and they will say, "No, playing Doomsday is great. Blasma mm-hmm. Fett is a great card mm-hmm. for for the game, but it just doesn't feel that way." I pull a Doomsday, I don't feel excited. In fact, it's almost straight up unplayable in mm. in limited, mm. which sucks. <laughs> you want the cards to be playable and limited. You want it to be a nice, powerful card that you feel good for opening that makes you want to draft that hero. That's what it should be, at least. That's how I see specializations. You guys ready to move on to our arsenal zone? You know I am. (laughs) So this is the part of the show where we shout out different cards that we've been thinking about, that cards have been on our mind, cards that we like, cards that we love to hate. So the card that I'm shouting out today is one of my favorites. It's one of my go-tos whenever I see spoilers and I think, man, this existing card would pair so well with this new spoiler. And it's Ravenous Rabble. (laughs) Ravenous Rabble is this nice common that just slots into decks really nicely because it's a free go-again attack that could maybe swing for four if you're lucky enough to reveal a red card on top because this card has a relatively unique effect of looking at the top card of your deck What's the pitch value? Is it a red? Sweet, you get to swing for four. Is it a blue? Sorry, you're swinging for two, bucko. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different synergies that could exist there. If you happen to reveal a Gorgonian Tome off the top, ooh, baby, you get to swing for five because it has zero (laughs) pitch value. That means you get minus zero. And they just spoiled a common in the new set that has a zero pitch value. Wait, what? Which one? Yeah. It's, it's called Dimensional Vortex. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A, okay, it's a Majestic, mm-hmm. but you can play three of it where it's not legendary. You can have three of this card in your deck. That yeah. makes it so much easier for you to hit a zero <laughs> off the top with Ravenous Rabble. <laughs> and so easy for you to end up with a card with no attack value, no block value, and no pitch value in your hand. <laughs> but zero for five and go again? It stonks. <laughs> That's actually pretty sweet. I like that. Also, shout out to Bracers of Belief, the arms equipment that basically does the exact same thing. So if you want to build that red line slash zero pitch line deck, Ravenous Rabble is there just waiting for his time to shine. Also, shout out to Azuri who can flash it in for a five go again, which is honestly pretty good. Um, I'd pay two for an attack that costs five with go again, right? It's called Zealous Belting. People do it all the time. Azuri can send in Ravenous Rabble, have a five go again, and then just keep going on with her turn. I'm so. so glad I let you cook. That was that was pretty cool. <laughs> Yo, that's so cracked and plays into one of my... Oh my god, that plays into another idea I've been playing around with so hard. People run Ravenous Rabble in Azuri lists, but I haven't seen them actually flash it in. I think they just play it as a zero for four, which is like a lot of value, you know? I also really like it in Briar because I can play a channel at Heroic and then give all my Ravenous Rabbles plus three and suddenly I don't care what I flip over the top. <laughs> so Ravenous Rabble... Thank you for enabling some of my weird brews. I would like to sign a copy of Red Ravenous Rabble for each of you. I've got two copies right here, Outsider 213. Just let me unsleeve. Sign it right here. A scribble, scribble, scribble. 
One for you and one for you. Thank you, Fuzzy. I'm going to put this in a Zuri brew. I'm, I'm working oh, on Oh, yeah. It. You could totally play that one, too. A lot of the cards I give you guys are, like, not playable in <laughs> any context. This one's good. This one is meta-defining. Yeah, I like this mm-hmm. one better than, what was it, Blue Come to Fight? <laughs> <laughs> no, Blue, Blue Come to Fight's cracked, bro. Yeah, I don't know. Blue Block 3? Are you kidding? People play she... Blue Come to Fight in some Briar builds because with the Vitamin of Earth, it blocks for four. It's a Blue Block 4, you know? That's pretty good. Not going to okay. lie. I do prefer Ravens Rabble. So thank you, Fuzzy. My card is completely different from this card. Mm. It was spoiled in, gosh, what was it? I think Dynasty. Yeah. Uh, it's Spear of Irina, uh, Bolton's late wife, RIP. Wow. It's a zero cost aura there where if you charge it, it goes to the arena or the battlefield or whatever. And I really like this card in particular because, I mean, I talked about it briefly in the podcast, but... Being able to charge like auras from your hand and go straight to the battlefield that normally don't have go again, I feel like that's a great way to to get closer to making Bolton good. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. getting courage tokens, the quicker tokens are nice. If there's another aura that like says every time you banish a card from soul, you you buff your next attack or or uh, give yourself a life gain or something like that. All of those are really interesting design spaces. And seeing this card in a sea of cards that I didn't care about. Uh, during spoiler season i was just like going nuts in the discord chat when i first (laughs) saw it so anyways that's my shout out for today oh and also lets you play a luminous ascension at instant speed and gives you go again that's the reason why i like this card i forgot to mention that but yeah Yeah. playing this an action point and also play one of your most powerful cards in the deck for freezies auto include yep auto include and the way that it combos with like via the vanguard because typically you can't play them together because you close the chain and via the vanguard cares about the chain being open so you play via the vanguard charge buff your entire board by one and then play lumina on top of it getting action point onto via the vanguard and then your raiden swings for five wow twice yeah five twice five twice meanwhile five does like 30 damage in a turn but we don't talk about that <laughs> anyways shout out to spirit of arena for my shout out, I want to get philosophical. Oh, oh man. Lord. I want to I want to <laughs> I want to really ponder the truths of the universe. Really dig deep into what does it mean to be a bloodthirsty monster that wants to decimate <laughs> your enemies. What is the most the what is the worst weapon you can carry into a medieval battle? An axe. Axes are stupid. Axes are bad. <laughs> but the coolest characters use axes. The coolest, <laughs> baddest motherfuckers use axes. But I've been brewing. I've been on a brewing spree since Dust Till Dawn. And that just means looking at a lot of card lists. <laughs> and I'll see things like Felling Swing and Spill Blood and Cleave and go, who is this for? <laughs> Nobody yet. <laughs> but that's the thing. You got to get these cards now, everybody. Get them now. Get them now while they're cheap, while they're bad, while they're not good for anyone, and then put them in a deck and take them to Blitz and lose with them because you want to be the guy with an axe deck first. You want to be first to the table. 
I'm sorry, Clerk. No. Just so we're clear, what is your card shout out? <laughs> <laughs> My card shout out is the idea of axes. It is the concept. It's, it's, it's a theoretical. I told you I was getting philosophical with it, Fuzzy. Got it. I made it clear from the get-go. It is axes. Axes, think, axes, axes. This is why I failed philosophy class. <laughs> I'm here for the ride. Keep going. I think this is also why I failed philosophy class. <laughs> Pitch It To Me podcast is hosted by Fuzzy Delp, Clark Moore, and Joel Racinos. Executive producer, Talon Stradley. Logistics coordinator, John Farkas. Music by Dylan Holtz. Logo by Han V. Sound mixing, Christopher Moore. And last but not least, you. Thank you for listening. Please give us a follow on your favorite social media platform at Pitch It To Me podcast. Stay tuned for some outtakes. Prism definitely gaslight gatekeeps, girl boss. 100%. Gimli uses an axe. That's true. Gimli's a real one. I don't have any other examples because <laughs> I didn't prepare this section at all. <laughs>